This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the governor says there is no going back on his plan to reopen the state during the COVID pandemic. But if Ron DeSantis won't act, St. Petersburg Mayor Rick Kreisman says local officials will pick up the slack. He doesn't seem to be very flexible and doesn't seem to be paying attention to what's happening in the state of Florida right now and is not taking the, the data and the increases that we're seeing in our percentages into consideration and that's problematic and, and it's forcing mayors like me and mayors around the state of Florida to take additional actions. Mayor Kreisman says he'll issue an order Friday mandating the use of face masks by employees at businesses that deal with the public, including bars, restaurants and gyms. State health officials reported 2,610 new cases of coronavirus Wednesday. That is the second largest daily increase since the crisis began. Total of COVID deaths in Florida is now at least 3,110. Florida Democrats are teeing off on the president, saying he failed at every step of the way in responding to the virus. While our local elected officials are doing everything right, it seems more often than not the Trump administration is doing everything wrong. In fact, you all have reported disease experts at Columbia University determined that if the Trump administration had acted sooner, many thousands of lives would have been saved and our economy, the economy of everyday working people, would be far better. Instead, we're facing the worst economic crisis since the Depression, and it's destroying working families and small businesses. A president has a moral duty to protect the nation, and President Trump has failed on all fronts. He ignored the warnings, refused to leave, and failed to meet the moment. Democrats are also directing some of their ire at the governor because he's following the president's playbook. The COVID crisis is having a major impact on Floridians who just graduated from high school. During the Sunrise interview, you'll hear from the head of the Florida College Access Network, who says some of the kids are delaying plans to attend a university, others are opting for cheaper colleges or staying closer to home. We'll also have your daily calendar of political events and check in with a Florida man busted for child pornography. And honestly, that is not the most disgusting part of his story. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Thursday, June 18th. Florida set a record Tuesday for the most new cases of COVID-19 reported in a single day. That number was 2,783. And then on Wednesday, the health department followed up with 2,610 new cases. That's the second highest so far during the pandemic. But Ron DeSantis says Florida's reopening will not stop or even pause. And the governor says he was expecting this surge. Back in April, you remember when we started doing our, our, uh, our phase one, um, you know, I made the point that as you test more, you will see more cases because you're identifying those subclinical cases that just would not have been tested previously. Um, and I said that, you know, you could see, you know, 2,000 cases a day in a state this big. That was something that was definitely uh, in, in the offer uh, for this. Um, and it's just because of how you're, doing, how you're doing the testing, especially if you're expanding it as aggressively as I thought that you needed to do. DeSantis may not be worried about the spike in cases, but Democrats are pouncing. St. Petersburg City Commissioner Ken Welsh says it's a huge problem in his town. Uh, in Pinellas County, in Tampa Bay, and across Florida, we are seeing the effects of what has been a mismanaged reopening as our COVID cases spike. In Pinellas County, a third of our 2,500 cases have occurred within the last six days just weeks after the reopening. A safe and effective reopening requires us to do the work to support business and community safety and confidence, not just hang an open for business sign and move on. 
We need to make sure our workers are safe and that robust and accessible testing and contract tracing are in place. Welch was part of an online press conference hosted by the Joe Biden campaign. So was St. Petersburg Mayor Rick Kreisman, who says local officials in Florida have to pick up the slack because there's no leadership coming out of the White House or the governor's mansion. Without having that leadership, uh, the burden has unfortunately fallen to myself, uh, to the commissioner and his colleagues, to my council members, and we are having to be the leaders. Uh, because there is that void that is in the White House. When you have a man who basically puts an open for business sign uh, on the door and says, that's it, we're, we're, everything is great, come on in. Uh, when you have a man who says, well, if we want to get the testing numbers down, we just should stop testing. That's the solution. Um, we've got problems. And you know, you look at what uh, the vice president has put forward in his plan for reopening uh, our country, it is smart, it is measured, uh, and it takes the steps that we need that would uh, to, to, to really be able to open our, our economy up in a way where we're not going to be shutting it down in another month or another couple weeks, uh, which is uh, unfortunately the direction we're headed right now if we don't take steps. And we're in the state of Florida where we have a governor uh, who is following lockstep the president's ideology on this issue. And even his orders specifically state in concert with the efforts of President Donald J. Trump and based on guidance provided by the White House. What guidance? There is none. Congressman and former Governor Charlie Crist says reopening will not be safe until people take precautions, the sort of precautions the governor has already rejected. If we're going to be doing that, we need to respect the uh, advice of the CDC uh, we need to be social distancing. We need to be wearing masks when you're out in public or in groups. Um, and, and that just is not coming across uh, either from Tallahassee or the White House. And I think that's one of the main problems. If we're going to do this and be smart about it, you've got to follow what the Biden plan talks about. And that is using intelligent uh, forward movement as we re- reopen in a, in a you know, common sense way. But do it smartly. You know, take very seriously these recommendations of wearing masks, uh, making sure that you're social distancing and, and generally being smart and not going out in large groups. The mayor put it well. You know, the, the, some of the bars and, and restaurants in St. Petersburg are, are open now. I think the governor has allowed it up to uh, from 25 to 50 percent at this point. Uh, but when you do so, you get an awful lot of people together and naturally you're going to get a spread. And so that's why uh, yesterday uh, I called on the governor to take a pause and try to learn from what's happening and gain wisdom on a day-to-day basis, uh, actually, with it's uh, moving uh, the uh, incidence of infection. And it's growing rapidly, you know, and, and it's ballooning. And the only way to stop it is to pause it. And uh, I've seen several news accounts where yesterday he said, we're just moving forward. Well, I, you know, that's just inappropriate. Mary Kreisman says the governor's advice is just that. Advice. Nothing in his order is mandatory. Even the official guidance that restaurant servers wear masks in crowded dining rooms, that's only a suggestion. So if you look at uh, the governor's order, which again says that he's, and, and he is, he's following what the president has said, which is basically we're open for business. And so you look at his order and there's really nothing or very little in there that mandates uh, actions be taken by our business community. It is mostly encouraging. Uh, and granted, we've talked a lot here in St. Pete 
about the St. Pete way and wanting people to do the right thing. But if they're not going to do it, then you need to unfortunately put some mandates in place. Uh, I've got a, a Facebook Live that I'm doing at three o'clock. I'm going to be making some announcements. Uh, and it's really in direct response to uh, the failure of leadership on the part of our governor, who is clearly following in the footsteps of our president and failing to lead. Kreisman made good on those remarks a few hours later when he announced the spike in COVID cases at bars and restaurants in his city would mean mandatory masking of employees. St. Pete's community spread is largely due to young adults letting their guard down. The data and the many closures of our downtown bars and restaurants paint a clear picture for us. Mask usage in St. Pete must increase. And so, beginning at 5 p.m. on Friday, all St. Pete businesses, including restaurants, bars, gyms, retail establishments, entertainment businesses, and personal service businesses such as barbershops and salons, will be required to have their employees wear a face mask or covering while in areas of the business open to the public. Violation of this order is a municipal ordinance violation which could result in financial or other business operations related sanctions. We intend on taking this seriously. As such, don't expect to simply receive a warning if you are not in compliance with this order or the governor's order or the county order. Consider this your warning. Meanwhile, back in Tallahassee, the governor's planning to use his veto power to make substantial cuts in the budget approved by state lawmakers back in March. It takes effect July 1st. The COVID crisis has punched a gaping hole in the budget, but the governor says there is no need for a special session of the legislature to fix it before the elections. DeSantis says his veto pen will hold the line until then. I think we all know that the budget picture is a little bit different uh, than when the legislature was working on this uh, through most of January and February. So I've been going through different things on that, and we'll obviously be doing something by the end of the month. But um, uh, I think he, I think everyone can expect to see a little more red this year than they did last year, and uh, that's probably uh, what we need to do in terms of in terms of fiscal prudence. There's going to be a lot more vetoes. It'll be uh, a lot of red. It, it's kind of the, the veto equivalent of the Red Wedding from Game of Thrones. It's, um, there's going to be things that are in my budget that I'm definitely going to veto. Um, just because the fiscal picture is different, I think we probably are going to hopefully recover quicker than maybe we thought two months ago. Uh, but between the vetoes and I'm going to hold back some agency spending, and then we do have identified some CARES Act money which will be able to be used, I have no, no uh, worry about us getting to the election. Teacher raises are important, so we want to obviously try to deliver as many of the priorities as we can, but it's just a situation where I created a budget under certain assumptions and conditions. The legislature did a budget under certain assumptions and conditions, and even though the kind of the pandemic was here, once they laid the budget on the desk, there was a radical change between that second week of March in terms of the messaging coming out of places like Washington where it said, you know, go on a cruise, you can still go to a campaign rally, and then seem like a week or 10 days later, it's like shut everything down. So I don't, I don't think the legislature should have foreseen because I think it was a very abrupt thing to have happen. And so I think that they did, they did a good job and there's a lot of things in there that I think are meritorious, but at the same time, you know, we're living in a different reality. We've got to take that into account. And so we will exercise that authority accordingly. There is a reason the governor does not want a special session before November. It would give Democrats a platform to hoist the GOP on its own petard, blame them for COVID, and theoretically cost Republicans some seats in the House or Senate.
So no, there will not be a special session, no matter how bad things get. Next up on the Sunrise Interview, a conversation with Lori Megason, director of the Florida College Access Network. Their raison d'etre is ensuring all Floridians have the opportunity to achieve an education beyond high school. But she says the COVID crisis is changing a lot of people's plans. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics, and we are much obliged. The Florida Hospital Association has released the OPEN Plan, designed to allow Florida's safe resumption of elective surgeries and procedures. OPEN stands for O, observe the COVID-19 rate of community occurrence. P, prevent transmission. E, establish the process to restore elective surgeries and procedures. And N, network with all healthcare providers. You can read the OPEN plan today at FHA.org. Welcome back to Sunrise. Our guest today is Lori Megason, a recovering attorney who serves as executive director of the Florida College Access Network. Their goal is to encourage more people to get a degree, and she's worried COVID-19 is going to make that a lot harder. They've just released a survey that shows 58% of Floridians lost their jobs or had their income reduced during the pandemic, and that one out of every four parents in the survey said the COVID crisis has changed their children's plan for higher education. As we were seeing how COVID-19 was impacting Floridians, especially the unemployment rates, we grew increasingly concerned about how this was impacting Florida college students' plans, particularly because of the economic environment. And so that's why we ran the survey. And unfortunately, some of our fears proved to be true, that 42% of Florida college students are planning are making uh, changes to their college plans because of COVID-19. When you say they're making changes, what sort of changes? Uh, some students are reporting that they're planning on taking time off a semester, maybe more. Some are changing schools. Some of them are planning to attend a school closer to home uh, or a school that is um, a little more economical for them. And why is this a concern? I mean, Taking a break before college is is a long tradition for American students, isn't it? Well, when you have current college students who are planning to take time off, even though they may have the best of intentions of returning and completing their degrees, we know from the research that they are much less likely to do so. And we already have 1.3 million Floridians in this state who have started but not completed a college degree. And so it's really concerning when students are reporting that they may be taking time off because that will really impact their chances of completing their credentials. And that does have tremendous financial implications down the line, does it not? It absolutely does. Um, What we know is that increasingly over the past few decades, more and more jobs are requiring education and training beyond high school. In fact, the Florida Department of Economic Opportunity is reporting that 67% of all new jobs created by 2025 will require some form of college degree or credential. So it is very concerning. Now, you also found that as far as the job front, a lot of Floridians are suffering, did you not? Or not just jobs, but lost income. Yes. Um, The survey, and again, this is a a survey of Florida voters who are reporting 
that uh, many of them have been laid off from their jobs, but even those who are still working, many of them have seen reduced hours or reduced wages. So there is a tremendous economic impact on Floridians right now. So what does the legislature or what do state policymakers need to do as far as making higher ed more attractive or more available for people who are worried about COVID? It's incredibly important for us to be able to build a resilient, recession-proof economy that we make the investments in our students and our workers in order to ensure that we have the talented workforce to be able to thrive on the other side of this pandemic. Um, I'm I'm very um, pleased that the governor and education commissioner Corcoran announced last week that they are um, investing CARES Act dollars in rapid credentialing for displaced workers. I think that's going to be a big help because not only will that help workers retrain, they can also apply many of those credentials to college credit that can lead to a degree, but we can't stop there. We also need to make the investment in our current college students so that they can stay the course and complete their degrees and credentials. Uh, 53% of Florida students already rely on need-based financial aid, such as Pell Grants, and that's only going to be exacerbated by COVID-19. Are you concerned at all that after COVID, people will reconsider the whole college thing? I mean, they've been going through upheavals for several years with, with lawmakers questioning the fundamental value of a liberal arts education, talking more about technical training, vocational training. Is higher ed still the ticket to a better future? It absolutely is. Not only that, but higher education is fundamental to economic mobility. Although there are people who believe that college isn't for everyone, we know that Education and training beyond high school is for everyone, and it's absolutely critical, not only for economic mobility, but for the future economic resiliency of our state. In fact, after the Great Recession, the only group of people who fully recovered 10 years later are those who had a bachelor's degree or higher. And according to the Florida Department of Economic Opportunity, the top 10 fastest growing jobs in Florida all require some form of credential or degree beyond high school. Our guest today was Lori Megason, Executive Director of the Florida College Access Network. Your calendar of events starts at 8.15 with a meeting of the Southwest Florida Regional Planning Council in Fort Myers. The University of Central Florida Board of Trustees meets online at 8.30. The trustees from the University of North Florida and the University of West Florida are meeting separately at 9 o'clock. The Florida Supreme Court releases weekly opinions at 11. The State Suicide Prevention Coordinating Council meets by conference call at 1. The Florida State University Board of Trustees meets at 1.30. The Triumph Gulf Coast Board holds a conference call at 1.30 Central Time to get an update from Enterprise Florida about a state economic recovery plan from COVID-19. The Daytona State College Board of Trustees holds an online meeting at 2. The Florida Department of Agriculture's Medical Cannabis Advisory Committee meets by conference call at 4. And finally, it's time to check in with Florida Man, who basically proved that old adage that you are what you eat. A Florida man is charged with possessing and distributing child pornography, and Polk County Sheriff Grady Judd says that is not the worst of it. Insert Grady Judd, eating underwear. Yeah. 
58-year-old Jose Araza is one of 17 men arrested by Grady's deputies during what they called Operation Guardians of Innocence, number five. He has a master's degree from Florida International, worked as an IT specialist at Lockheed Martin, at least he used to. A nurse, a pharmacist, and two former Disney employees were also busted during the operation. The 17 suspects face a total of more than 1,400 felony charges. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.